if you have your Bibles today, turn to 1 Timothy as they transition us back to our service. As I mentioned, this family has some deep, deep roots. You guys going to leave me hanging with the, with the pulpit and chairs? Okay. You guys want me to sit and preach my sermon today? I did realize, and please forgive me, my coat jacket has torn and has fallen out here at the bottom. It's Leah's fault. I don't know how, but somehow it's, it's, it's her. Youth? Yes, dismiss our youth. Thank you, Leah. Guys, you can be dismissed. And guys, I'm messing with you. Thank you so much for helping transition things here. Let's praise God for our youth. Amen. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Mark. Church, we're blessed with many servants, and I thank God for each and every one of them. We have people in the back checking people in. We have people upstairs teaching our kids. We have people in the nursery. We have people upstairs leading our youth group. We're blessed. Amen? And if you're visiting with us, perhaps, we just want you to feel at home. We want you to know you're among people who will help you and will love you and will share the love of Jesus. That's the kind of church we are, and we pray we continue to be. Amen? It's Thanksgiving week, amen? You guys, it's 11-21-21, and you know we're going to blink, and it'll be 12-21-21, and has this year not going fast? It is absolutely flying by. In the week of Thanksgiving, I want to talk, everybody say gratitude. I want to talk today about the subject of gratitude, or rather, how the danger of ingratitude can get ourselves focused on things God didn't want us to focus on. I don't want to be somebody that's just thankful on the last Thursday of November. I want to be thankful to God every single day because as Psalm 136 says, the Lord is good, amen, and his mercy endures forever. God's love endures upon us, and being thankful, I'm so thankful for this church. Can you give yourself a hand clap of praise just for being a good church? This is a good church. If you didn't clap, there's something wrong with you this morning because... Um, you're clapping for yourself. Amen. And uh, we want to thank everybody for the very generous gifts um, during Pastor Appreciation Month of October. My wife is so wonderful to remind me. She said, Jason, you need, you need to thank everybody. And thank you guys so much for honoring us. I think it's important. I try to honor the position of pastor by my, hopefully my integrity and character and things that I believe in and the, th- the way that I walk before the Lord. But it's especially important for a church, and I say this just as a, as a member of this flock too, it's important for a church to honor the position of pastor. And you guys have done that. And I just want to say from, on behalf of my family, who have probably gained 15, 20 pounds from all the cards from restaurants that we got over the last month, um, but it's awesome, to, uh, it's awesome to be able to enjoy that. Amen. First Timothy 4. Did I tell you it already go there? I didn't tell you the chapter, did I? 1 Timothy 4, 1 Timothy chapter 4, everybody say gratitude, Gratitude. so important in a believer's life is the scripture I'm going to share, here in the beginning it's going to seem a little heavy, but just stick with me, you think, pastor, it's Thanksgiving week, you're going to get this heavy, but I really truly believe as we dig into this passage of scripture that as Paul points out, that ingratitude can actually be something of the enemy and demonic activity operating in our lives. Again, I know that it may seem heavy, but it's the truth of God's word. Let's look at it right here in verses 1 through 5 of 1 Timothy 4. 
the Spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. Do I have any believers in the house this morning? For everything God created is good. Everybody say good. good. And nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God in prayer. Father, for these next few moments, I just completely ask for your help and throw myself upon you. Lord, anything said of Jason, let it fall by the wayside. But whatever is said under the unction and anointing of Holy Spirit, Father, I pray today would go in the hearts of these precious people and would have your will done in their lives. Lord, we, we just stop now and we honor you. We honor your Holy Spirit in this place. It's so evident, Lord, in Jesus' holy name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So Paul here is making a correlation between demonic activity and ingratitude. In other words, if you're an ungrateful person, and an especially an ungrateful Christian, you are one who is living under the influence of the enemy. How many understand that you don't like to run across kids that don't say please and thank you? Come on, somebody. Because it says something about the gratitude that they possess in their life, and we simply say, well, they need to be trained better by their parents. I pray and hope that I've raised my kids to be grateful for the things that God blesses them with. But what's true in that sense, is also true about God in the spiritual world in relation to what Paul is talking about here is he's pointing out a group of people and what was the problem that was going on? The problem that Paul was addressing is you had false teachers that had come into the church and they basically came in and said, look, anything physical is bad and evil and whatever is spiritual is good. So it was a false teaching that the church was coming. In other words, there was the secular and there was the sacred. There was a wall put up between God, this is good and this is bad. But I want to point out to you something this morning, that God, if he and he has blessed you, then we are to be people of gratitude and thankfulness because every good gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there's no shadow or turning. So he relates the fact here in talking about a group of people that came in and said, yeah, but wait a second, you shouldn't be enjoying life. Can I tell you this morning, and I'm telling you from the word of God, God gave you life and he gave you fellowship with other people and he gave you stuff, he gave you things to enjoy. Everybody say enjoy. enjoy. In simple terms, here's what they were saying. You shouldn't be enjoying what God has provided. And I don't know about you, but it would seem that not giving God thanks is tied into not enjoying everything God has given to you. Are you following me so far this morning? Listen, if, you're, if your Christian life is directed by the things that you can't do, then what you need to do is focus on the things God gave you that you can do because the things you can't do are this big and the things God has blessed you with are this big. Are you following me this morning? You say, Pastor, give me a biblical example for that. I'll give you the best biblical example I can give this morning. Eve in the garden, right? Satan's trick and his trick for us as Christians 
is to come along. What did he tell Adam? He told Adam, God did, that of all the thousands of trees in the garden you can eat of, you can enjoy, you can partake of, but there's one tree that I don't want you to take and partake of. And what did the enemy come and do? He came and questioned the goodness and the character of God. Being unthankful and ungrateful for all God has blessed you with and focusing on the little issues and problems in your life is a problem. Because he comes along, the enemy does, and it says, hey, you know, look, look at the one thing that God said. And to be sure, God has given us limits and fences. Everybody say fences. There are some things that we know that God has put a fence around and says, hey, don't go there, don't do this. But can I tell you, if your life is joyless and your life doesn't have gratitude and thankfulness in it, you're focusing on the handful of things that God says don't touch. Here's why he said don't touch them. Because they're going to harm you. Do you you understand the, the Gospels and the book of Acts are transition books? What they are transitioning from is a fence-based religion to a well-based religion. You say, what do you mean by that? There were over 600 laws and fences that were put up for people to go here and do this and don't do that. You understand that's the law. Is everybody following me? I heard an interesting story one time, and I think it illustrates my point really well about what life in Christ really is when you live a thankful life for the fact that Jesus Christ said, I am the living water, and I am a well that never runs dry, because it went from a fence-based to a well-based system. heard an incredible story one time about cattle in Australia. Australia is an absolutely enormous country. I mean, you go into what they call the outback, and there's literally just hundreds and hundreds of miles of arid outback. They call it the outback, right? The bush, that's what they term it. So you get outside of the cities and it's just miles. But outside of those cities are large cattle ranches. And some of the cattle ranches are literally 70 miles wide by 70 miles deep. And they don't have any fences. So a question was asked to one of the Australian cattlemen at one time. And they said, why are there no fences on your cattle ranches in Australia? And the the rancher responded. And listen, this is your spiritual life. If you'll go to the well and not to listen to the enemy's voice is they do not wander off because there is a well of water on the property they're on and they don't want to go out to where it's dry, arid, and they will die. Do you understand that God understands that when you have a relationship with him that's true and life-giving and close, you're not going to want to get away from that. And that's what the enemy does. He comes, just like in the book of Genesis, and he comes and he simply begins to point out, you know, God must not really be good. God, 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 God is trying to keep something from you. You know, if this was if if this was going on, this shouldn't be going on in your life. If God really truly cared and loved, you. can I tell you that's the voice of the enemy? And what keeps us from being thankful and and having gratitude in our lives is looking at the one thing that may not be right exactly the way it should be, and forgetting the ten thousand that are exactly how God blessed you. This week, my, my, my encouragement for you is very simple, but it's very life-changing at the same time. Quit dwelling on the handful of things that the enemy's focusing you on and begin to look at the gratitude and the thankfulness and the awesomeness of God. So that, that's, that's the problem that we find here that Paul is addressing. 
he has a group of people. There's two particular things in the passage that he says. He talks about marriage and he talks about food. He talks about, look, marriage shouldn't be enjoyed in a, in a way that God consummates marriages and you shouldn't be enjoying that. And he talked about the food thing. It's just two little things that they pointed out in the scripture that they're trying to draw them into a place where we need to understand today that when we receive what God has blessed us with, with thanksgiving and gratitude, it's blessed. I got good news for you this morning. God wants you to enjoy life. He, he does. He wants you to enjoy it. And then it goes on to say this. In the, in the, right there in the middle, I believe in verse 3. I'm going to look at it here. But it goes on to say this. In verse 3, that we believe and we know the truth. Everybody say truth. So the, the antidote to unthankfulness and ungratefulness, the antidote to people who will come along and try to get you, the, and it's the enemy, he comes along and tries to focus on the handful of things that are wrong instead of all the things that are right, is simply this. He said, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. What's the truth? We know that, that we need to be thankful to God. Amen? In some shape or form, everything you have and enjoy has its origin in God. Right? Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there's no shadow or turning. He says, you know the truth. What's the truth this morning? The goodness that exists and you have in your life, your family, the people, your loved ones. And again, I know life is hard. I know life gets difficult. I know there's challenges. I know there's all those things going on. But when I wake up every morning, I endeavor to give God thanks, not just with my mouth, which is fine. I orient my heart to being a thankful person. So important, so incredibly important. Why? Because even in Deuteronomy, God told us over and over again, he told his people, look, don't forget. Don't forget that God brought you out of the land of Egypt. Has God delivered any people in this house this morning? Look, it's good sometimes just to remember, you, you aren't who you exactly want to be, but you sure ain't who you used to be. Come on. And when you begin to remember that, they... Remember that God said, look, I'm bringing you into a place flowing with milk and honey. I'm bringing you to a place that you haven't built homes and you haven't planted vineyards and you haven't done... He said, don't forget about God. And if there's any week that we should be thankful that we live in the United States of America, church, where we are... I know that we have our issues and we have our problems, but I'm believing God for a great revival beginning to start it already is church to so just buckle up and hang on i believe it with all my heart but he simply said in deuteronomy look don't forget i think becoming unthankful you just forget about the thousand that god has provided and you focus on the one thing that god put up a fence around and listen god does tell us as christians don't do this don't do that but i've I, here's what i found joyless christians are the ones focusing on the handful I get to worship my God every single day. I get to thank Him and praise Him and worship Him and come together with people like you and worship Him. But He said, we believe and we know the truth. In some shape or form, everything you have and enjoy has its origin and source in God. You know, every now and then, people will try to form an opinion or a theological basis at the core of, 
of what the really root sin that causes envy and pride and lust and a lot of things that unfortunately can get out of control in our lives if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to come and hold them in check. But in Romans one twenty one, it says this, they did not honor God as God or give thanks to him. Thanklessness, really, Paul, did I hear you right? Thanklessness is what God in Romans one twenty one said, that they didn't honor him. This might seem obvious at first, but think about it. When you lack gratitude, not only do you rob someone of the glory that belongs to them, you also convince yourself that you could have gotten on fine without them. Are you hearing me? Timothy Keller puts it this way. He says it's spiritual plagiarism. What's plagiarism? It's taking something that somebody else provided and taking credit for it. It would be like me going and finding a C.S. Lewis manuscript that's never been published and publishing it as my own. I think you guys have learned real quick that that isn't me writing if you've read C.S. Lewis. The problem with that is twofold. Not only am I, am I wrong to do that, secondfold, when a publisher comes and says, that was a great book, do another one, I can't reproduce it. Can you understand that thanklessness will not reproduce godliness in your life according to what Paul's saying in First Timothy? It's gratitude and thankfulness that unleashes God in our life. The gospel gives us a reason to be thankful. Amen? I said the gospel, the fact that you're saved and delivered. Church, I say this all the time, and I'll say it before you again. If you want to head into this week and be thankful for one thing and one thing alone, be thankful for the cross of Jesus Christ. Why? Because you're... Church, if you're saved and on your way to heaven, do I have any saved people in the house? I'm believing you'll be saved before you leave here if you're not. But I just want to remind you, and I've said it before and I'll say it again, this is as bad as it gets. If you're not saved, this is as good as it gets. And this ain't that good. Come on. It's good, but listen, heaven, Paul said, eye is not seen or near is heard is entered into the mind of man. All that that God has in store for those who love him. We've had people pass away recently right here in the church over the last couple of years. And can I tell you, if you were to say, hey, I want you to come back, no. <laughs> Listen, that's the gospel. That's what we can be thankful for. There may be difficulties there. You may not like your job. You may be walking through a physical fire. You may be on your way to your in-laws for Thanksgiving. <clears throat> Leah's not in here, so. <laughs> oh, Lord, I'm going to be in trouble. That's nine hours in a car with her later on. You know what one of my favorite psalms is, and I've already quoted it a few times, Psalm 136. Turn there with me, and we're going to finish there today. So what's the truth that he used to combat people who came in and were trying to fool the church? Here's simply what they were doing. I I happen to think religious people just come in and infiltrate, and they see people loving God and enjoying life and having a good time. And they're like, whoa, hold up there. Am I right? Party poopers. If your view of Christianity, if you've come in here today, is about all the stuff you can't do, then you're living on the wrong end of it. You really are. Again, you haven't found the well. 
You don't have to put a fence up to keep me near Jesus. If there has to be a fence up to keep you living for God, you didn't meet God. You didn't. And some of you have related Christianity to all the people you think are really living for him, but they're not. They're living under religion and rules. I'm not saying God doesn't have rules. Are you hearing your pastor? I'm saying that the rules God has begun to write are written on my heart. And I don't have to go running to hear somebody else tell me what to do and not to do. I stay close to the source. I stay close to the well. I don't, I don't wander off the ranch of God. I have started to, and I get thirsty, and I get dry, and I find myself in a desert place, and I begin to look for the river that God has provided, and he said he would lead us to still pastures and beside calm waters. That's the well of the life of God. And when you find it, church, you don't. I can be thankful every day, even if I am a little dry, because I know there's a new river and a new well right up around the corner. I know that God is leading me to a fresh new place where I can drink him in again. That's called a relationship with him. And it's, it's, again, it's not about people coming along and, and criticizing what you do and don't do. I can guarantee you this, promise you, make a, a, a bulletproof promise. When you live close to God, sin loses its hold because you're latching onto something greater than sin. And Psalm 136 says this, and these are some things I want to leave you with today. But following the first little introduction that just says, look, God's good. Let his mercy endures forever. You want to be walk out of here thankful for one thing? Be thankful that God is good and his mercy and love endure forever. But verse 4 of Psalm 136 says this, To him who, to him who alone <laughs> does great wonders. I just want to stop right there. He didn't need anybody to help him do what he does. Nothing. His love endures forever. Who by his understanding made the heavens, his love endures forever. Who spread out the earth upon the waters, his love endures forever. Who made the great lights, his love endures forever. The sun to govern the day, his love endures forever. The moon and stars to govern the nights, his love endures forever. I just want to stop and thank God for his creativity. He said, I came all the way here on a Sunday morning to have you hear you talk about creation just for a minute. <laughs> because... When I look at how big my God is, and I understand that, yes, in the grand scheme of things, I am very small, but eternally valuable to God. When I step back and think for a second that the earth is just the right distance from the face of the sun, not too close. If you're too close, you get Mars. And I've seen some pictures of Mars over the last couple of years. I wouldn't want to live there. I'm just pointing out to you, you can be thankful and, and praise God for his creation because he put us in a beautiful place. Look, Florida's a beautiful place. You could be in Ohio right now, y'all. Or Oklahoma. Or Mars. Mars is desolate. God made a beautiful place, y'all. And not only did he make it beautiful, think about this, because not every planet is tilted on its axis. What does it mean to be tilted on its axis? It simply means that we have seasons. Not in Florida. <laughs> but other folks get seasons. 
And then when winter season starts, I watch all the snow for my family in Ohio, and I laugh. <laughs> I just laugh at them. We can thank God for his creativity. Listen, God has always been here, and he always was. Now, atheists talk about the Big Bang Theory, right? Where, if that's true, then where was all this? Who made the stuff that made the Big Bang? Come on bunch of who he always was God was before we is how's that for theology God was before we is and it says to him who alone does great wonders in other words the Lord created the world by himself he had no help and we should give thanks to the Lord because we should appreciate the world we live in amen Put the earth on a tilt. The earth's not upright. And the rotation of the earth does what? It gives us day and it gives us night. God thought of us beforehand that we could work all day and have the evening to enjoy and to go into the next day. So we can work and do our stuff during the day. That was the creative genius of the Lord. The psalmist says that as a result of that, we should live in gratitude for God and his creation. But if there's a great creator then we have unique value. Everybody say value. If humanity is created in the image of God, as the scripture declares, then you sitting here today have tremendous value to the Lord. Church, you're God's masterpiece. You came in here today and you thought, ah, God doesn't necessarily care about me and what's going on in my life. I've said it before and I'll say it again. If God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. It really would. There are no accidents with God. You, you're not an accident. You may have grown up somebody telling you you're an accident. This wasn't supposed to happen. Listen, God is sovereign. God is big. God created Mars and he created Saturn. And that's just two of a billion planets that he said he knows by name. Every hair on your head is numbered. For some of us, it's easier to number those than others that are sitting here this morning. But listen... We can thank God for his creation because in seeing his creation and seeing how vast and how huge and how big God is, when you step back and say, but he still cares about a sparrow, he still cares about a flower that is clothed, amen? Dun, 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 dun. How many had grandparents that had that little child? Me too. You used to scare me. I won't go into all that. That was not expected. I've said this before, and it's weird. I'm just going to tell you it's weird. On Facebook, I follow a, a group now called Snakes of Florida. And I don't like snakes. The last few months, I've been fascinated with learning about what snakes are in Florida. Do you, do you know that God has created over 3,000 species of snakes. 3,000. And what I've come to learn is the majority of them are really good snakes. How can this be helpful in your everyday life? I was walking through the yard with my dog, came across one. This was just three days ago. This was last week, Wednesday, Thursday. Walking her through the yard, and one was, she almost stepped on it. And she backed up, and I thought, what are you doing? I looked down, and he's right there. And by virtue of seeing this thing online over and over, 
I wasn't scared because I knew what kind of snake it was. That has nothing to do with my sermon today. I just wanted to share that with you. Because <laughs> I used to say a dead snake was the best snake. Is anybody else with me? I don't have that anymore because now I know what I'm looking for. But my point is this. If God in his wisdom set the stars in the sky, and if he can put planets in the proper rotation, and he did, and the Milky Way galaxy and other galaxies in order, and if he could create over 3,000 species of snakes, don't you think God can handle your problems? Listen, when you're looking at life and your problems and you're thinking, God, I need you to do exactly this, God's answer to you is I have a million ways to answer this one thing because I'm a God of inexhaustible creativity. If a God can make 3,000 different snakes, you're expecting to answer your problem in one little way. He's got an infinite amount of ways to answer your little problem. He said to the people of Israel, have I not brought you out of Egypt? That wasn't hard for me. Have I not fed you in the desert? That wasn't hard for me. Have I not vanquished everybody in the promised land? That is not hard for me. It's not hard for God. So we're going to be thankful. In other words, some of you just need to hear this morning. If God's that big that he created all that, God's got it covered. You know what that helps you do? Just take a deep breath and be thankful. Get out there and see that moon. Has anybody seen the moon the last two, three nights? Ooh, come on, somebody. It's just, I see that and I just think, God, who is man that you're, who am I that you're mindful of me? Then he goes on to say that you, but he's crowned us with loving kindness and glory. You're crowned with that. You're loved. You're accepted. You're, you're infinitely loved by God. In creation, we see God's majesty and power. He also exercises his power and his faithfulness to his people. And then we should thank God for his faithfulness. Everybody say faithfulness. Amen. Verse 10 goes on to say, To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, his love endures forever. And brought Israel out from among them, his love endures forever. With a mighty hand and outstretched arm, his love endures forever. So what we see chronicled here in Psalm 136 is the history of Israel and the faithfulness of their God. Listen, God was faithful in the beginning when he told Abraham to go to the land of promise. And that's what Hebrews 11 tells us, is that, is that Abraham, by faith, counted God's promise is going to come to pass. Can I tell you this morning, if God did it then, he'll do it again. That's what the psalmist is saying. He was faithful when the Israelites were locked up in captivity in Egypt. He was faithful when they were conquering the promised land. That same God is as faithful today as he ever was. God's faithful. You need delivered from a pharaoh? God's faithful. You're being chased by an enemy? Can I tell you something this morning? God is faithful. You need financial help? God is a provider. You need healing? Our God is a healer. Everybody say faithful. We can thank God because we see in the, in the history of Israel, in the history of your life, how many just look back over your life and see God is faithful? Come on. Let's praise him. Let's thank him for that. He is. And not only can, 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 can give him gratitude and honor and thank him for how big he is, but then he's so personal. We have a history in our each and every one of our lives that just says, God, you're faithful. I love with one of the patriarchs of the faith, and it says when he was older, he leaned 
on his staff. Do you know what they did back then? They would carve their history into the tops of their staffs. So what it was saying was when he was older and leaned on the staff, he was literally feeling in his hand every single time. God, I'm telling you, I'm speaking from the Holy Spirit right now. Every single time God came through for him. God came through before he's going to come through again. Amen? It's just who he is. God's faithful. Not only can, is it so profound to think God is so big and so bad that he can create the universe, and so incredible as to create you. Yeah, he could be so small and so compassionate and so concerned that he could come and live in your heart. St. Augustine was asked to describe God in three words. His answer was humble, humble, humble. If you think God only does this for the high and the, the lifted up, no, he comes to the humble. He comes to each one of us in the way that we can understand because God is faithful. Everybody say faithful. And third and finally, we can thank God for his concern. Verse 23 of one, Psalm 136 says, He remembered us in our weakness. His love endures forever. Now think about that. He didn't remember you in your strength, Dinah. He didn't remember when everything was going really well and you were conquering the world and climbing the ladder. It says he remembered you in your weakness. And I love this about God. I love this about God. Not only is he majestic and spectacular and awesome, our God is gentle and tender and humble. He's all that wrapped up into one. Why give him praise? Why give him thanksgiving? That why do we celebrate who he is? Why do we love him so much? How can we say his love endures forever? It's not only thanking God for his creation, but it's thanking God for his faithfulness and it's thanking God that he is concerned. In verse 23, God remembered us in our weakness. As another translation says, God remembered us in our low estate. In other words, has God ever remembered you when you're at the end of your rope? <laughs> I'll raise both hands. You can thank him. It's when you get at the end of your rope and you let go and you trust in God, he's there to catch you. He's there to help you. Notice it doesn't say that God remembered us in our strength. It says he remembered us in our weakness. He has seen us at our weakest. He has seen us at our worst and he remembered us. Isn't that beautiful? That he just remembered us. The Lord, the Bible doesn't say that the Lord forgot us in our weaknesses. Quite the contrary. He remembered us in our weaknesses. Listen, I want to tell you something this morning. God loves everyone. For God so loved the world. But he loves his children. Very specifically. And very intimately. So what do you mean by that, Pastor? I love kids. I enjoy seeing this family come up and Emmy Joe's precious and just too it's a beautiful family, amen. I just I loved every minute of it. But how many can understand when it's your kids? Are you following me? Listen to me this morning. When you belong to God, you belong to the one that flung the stars. But yet he's he's loving and intimate and humble enough to intimately care about you.
You understand that's something we can thank God for? We get so focused on everything we think is wrong. The church, we lose our thankfulness and gratitude because we're not seeing what is right going on around us. Listen to me. We, if you've traveled anywhere in the world, you come back to the United States of America, you understand you're blessed. I've told you before and I'll say it again. You've won the, you've, you've won the lottery. You have. Oh, I don't know. Yes. If you're saved and on your way to heaven and you were born in the United States, do you understand we should wake up every single day with gratitude in our hearts? Why? Because it says in Romans 128 that they didn't thank God. It wasn't pride. It wasn't ego. It wasn't lust. It wasn't any of those things. He said, look, they've forgotten about their God. Church, may we never forget about our God. May we never forget that He is our Heavenly Father that intimately cares about every single thing in our lives. I know this is simple this morning, but it has power to hopefully change your perspective and where we can get up and not focus on all the things that are wrong. Focus on the little things that are going on in our lives. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Finally, in verse 25, it says, He gives food to every creature. His faithful love endures forever. Simply put, the Lord is the provider. Some of you today are in here and you're scared about your finances. You're scared about the future. Can I just remind you, if you belong to Him, you're His child, He's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of you. God is our provision. God is a God of concern. He is a God of compassion who wants to take care of His people. God didn't lead the Israelites out into the wilderness on their way to the land of promise and say, I'm not going to give you any food to eat. You're on your own. No, he provided mail, uh, quail, and he provided manna. Here, here's my point. If you don't believe that God is good, you'll never trust him. I've shared this before, and I'll share it just briefly. Again, my grandfather discipled me for the first year of my Christian walk. And all the stuff he was going through struggled. It was a struggle for me because I knew just how faithful to God he had been and was and pastor for 43 years and such a man of integrity. Just was respected in the churches and the churches he oversaw. Just a tremendous man of God. He just was and is still in heaven. But I looked at him and I really struggled because I said, "Why are you? I just don't understand why you're going through all this. And, and he stopped me and he just simply said, he said, Jason, the enemy is always trying to get you to believe that God is not good. Isn't that, isn't that the original temptation in the garden? One, uh, there's a lot in there theologically, a whole lot in just the, in Genesis in the beginning. Did, did God surely say? The enemy comes to you. Did God surely say that he's going to provide for this need of yours? Did God surely say that he's going to take care of you and your health? Did God surely say that he's going to save your kids and your grandkids and their grandkids? Listen to me. Yes, God said. And if God said it, all you have to do is receive it and believe it because he who promised is faithful. Amen. Here's a beautiful thing. You say, what are you talking about? Here... It's not predicated on your faithfulness. He said even when you're faithless, God is faithful. It's who He is. 
That's why you can, you should, and be gracious in gratitude. Not just gracious towards God and have gratitude towards God, but gracious with other people. Come on. We're so quick to cut other people off. You live a thankful life. It, listen, why do I pay my tithes and my offerings throughout my lifetime? Why, why, since I was a brand new Christian? Listen, I don't pay my tithes and offerings like I'm tipping God. I'm doing it because I'm, I'm, I have a level of thankfulness and gratitude for everything that he's given me. Why do I open my Bible and read it and seek him? Because I have gratitude for everything in the word that he's done for me and it gets into my heart. Why do I come in here with you and on other days praise and worship him? I don't do that because I'm trying to get something. I'm trying to give him honor and gratitude and thankfulness. Because he's a good God. Amen? When we pray, we're telling God, thank you. When we open the Bible and worship, we're saying to God, thank you for all you've done. When we are focused on how God has created us and has stood with us in the battles of life and he has nurtured us, all we can do is shout to him and praise him for the great things he has done. Amen. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Why don't we practice that? Why don't we just practice some gratitude towards God? Come on, stand up and begin to just worship him. Begin to thank him. Begin to show gratitude for all that he has done. Father, we bless you today. God, we worship you today. God, you're a mighty God. You're an awesome God, but you're also a personal God. You love each and every one of us, Father, with such a deep and abiding love. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love and mercy endure forever. Father, we just take this moment here at the end, and we begin to practice an attitude of gratitude right now in this moment. That, God, as we're heading into this Thanksgiving week, Lord, is a week where we celebrate the abundant blessings you have bestowed upon this country. Father, we want to just join together with our hearts and with every ounce of faith that we possess right now in this moment. And we say, God, come and move in the United States of America, Father. Come and turn our hearts away from from what we see around us and turn our hearts in repentance to you once again, Lord. God, we just say thank you for your blessings. Thank you for the abundant mercy that you've poured out upon us by the blood of Jesus Christ today, Lord. Father, we're so thankful. We're so thankful, God. We just, we just are overwhelmed with your love and overwhelmed with, with gratitude in our hearts. Let gratitude find its place, Holy Spirit, that we would not be people who are complainers, but we would be people who are worshipers in every season of our lives, giving thanks to God. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. That's what the word of God says. So, Lord, we rejoice this week. We remember, God, that not just in this week where we mark it on a calendar, but, Lord, truly and honestly, let this find a place in our hearts. Let this find a place in our soul and let us be people of thankfulness and gratitude, Lord. Keep your head uh, bowed and your eyes closed for just a minute. No better thing you could do today than to make sure that you're sure, that you know, that you know. That is a place you can be, that you just know. What, what I've been talking about today is, is a God who loved you enough to send his son to die for you, to be crucified on a cross for propitiation of our sin, to, be, to die in your place so that you'll never die. He came to conquer death, hell, and the grave. And those who find their place in him 
and to find their trust in him and find salvation in that blood, then you have been brought into the, you have been brought from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. I want to ask this question before we dismiss today. Does anybody say, I just need to, I just need to give my life to God. I just need to make things right with him. Would you just shoot up your hand? It's not to embarrass you. It's not to do anything, but just pray together today. Praise God. There's four people that are about to come into the kingdom of Christ. Let's, let's all pray this together. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the cross. I thank you for forgiveness. I turn my back on sin, and I turn my heart towards you. Receive me just as I am. Forgive my sins. Wash them clean. I ask today that I be received by you. By faith in your lordship. By faith in the cross. By faith in the blood. Make me new today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's welcome them into the household of God. Thank you, Lord. We'll be doing baptism soon, so we'll have a sheet out. The next step in your journey with Christ is to get plugged in and to be baptized, amen? That's so important. Baptism doesn't save you, church. doesn't save you. It's an, it's an outward symbol of an inward reality that happened in your heart. If you, if you call upon the name of the Lord, believe in your heart, you will be saved, amen? what the Bible says. It's the beauty of God's word. Let me bless you this Thanksgiving. Remember, no prayer tomorrow night, no service on Wednesday. We'll see you next Sunday, Lord willing. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for the Christians at Christian Center Church, the believers here today, Lord God. I pray that they would be blessed going in and blessed going out, that, Father, they would be blessed at, at work and blessed in their homes. God, I'm praying just mighty, abundant blessings upon their whole entire week that, God, your face would shine upon them and you would give them peace. You would give them love and you would give them joy. Father, this Thanksgiving week, may our hearts continually be focused on you. And, Lord God, until you bring us back together at the appointed time, may your presence continually and always be with us. And, Father, I pray for those who are traveling this week, that, the, that your angels would go before them, behind them, and to the left and to the right, and protect them, Father, as they go. Traveling mercies we ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people said. Amen. Happy Thanksgiving, church. Thank you for being in the house with us.